first reading is taken from 1 Samuel, chapter 20, verses 16 to 42. And it can be found on page 292 and 293 of the Pew Bibles. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon feast. You'll be missed, because your seat will be empty. The day after tomorrow, towards evening, go to the place where you hid when this trouble began, and wait by the stone, uh, stone ezel. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows are on this side of you, bring them here, then come, because as surely as the Lord lives, you are safe. There is no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then you must go, because the Lord has sent you away. And about the matter uh, you and I discussed, remember, the Lord is a witness between you and me forever. So David hid in the field, and when the new moon feast came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall, opposite Jonathan and Abner, and sat next to Saul, but David's place was empty. Saul said nothing that day, for he thought, Something must have happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Surely he is unclean. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was empty again. Then Saul said to his son Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, Let me go because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I have found favor in your eyes, let me go and see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Saul's anger flared up and Jonathan said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. And Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table in the fierce anger, and on the second day of the feast he did not eat, because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. In the morning, Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him, and he said to the boy, Run and find the arrows I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrows had fallen, Jonathan called out after him, Isn't the arrow beyond you? Then he shouted, Hurry, go quickly, don't stop. The boy picked up the arrow and returned to his master. The boy knew nothing about all this, only Jonathan David knew. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, Go, carry them back to town. After the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone, bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face on the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. 
Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to town. Thank you, Bill, for, for that reading. My name is Ruth, and as you can hear from what we've read, we're continuing in our story of David this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about David. He's a bit of a superhero in my mind. If you look at uh, Samuel chapter 22, uh, verse 2, it says, after David had gone into exile, all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men went with him. He was the original Robin Hood. All the discontented went with him, and I loved Robin Hood. I don't know about you, but I thought he was great. So we're, we're concentrating today on the healthy friendship that David had, especially with Jonathan. Sorry, I just have to move some of the stuff that's on this. Now, Jonathan, uh, David has recently had beforehand, we've been concentrating on Goliath, how he met Goliath, killed Goliath. And the story's moved on a few years. He's become uh, a general in Saul's army. He's become the latest celebrity. People are writing songs about him. He's become really popular within the nation of Israel. He'd married the king's daughter. So he was brought into the royal household and he became great friends with Jonathan, the heir to the throne. And this healthy friendship that we have, hopefully we can learn something from it. Did you know that a recent government survey in June of this year, it showed that 6% of the adults in the UK, just must get this right, often or always felt lonely. 6%, that's six in every 100. Now here we are in church, are there any really lonely people here in church today? In a place where we come together as a family, but yet you can feel really lonely? The statistics are even worse for young people, where it's one in ten. Yet God created us to be in community, to be friends with him, and with one another. J.C. Parks, there's a, a, a quote from his book, The Life of King David, when he writes, if we've been made to love God and love one another, then having and becoming a friend must be one of the highest priorities of our lives. Friendship is a blessing. It certainly was for David because his friendship with, Dave, with Jonathan, as we read, helped save his life. 
There are three points I just want to bring out this morning. Firstly, you see, Jonathan cared for David. In chapter 18, just uh, the previous page, at the start of the chapter, it records, after David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. It wasn't a sexual love relationship. It was the relationship, the Hebrew words explained to us, it was a, a close bond. And the same words are used when Jacob, it discusses Jacob's love and connection with his son Benjamin. Do you remember the Joseph, the coat of many colors, when he sent to get Benjamin? Um, but Jacob was so closely bonded with his youngest son. And it's in this same uh, words that we have here today to discuss and to describe the relationship with David and Jonathan. They were special friends. It tells us in, in verse 20, chapter 20, verse 16, the one that uh, where Bill read to us, Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. See, it ends it up that Jonathan had to choose between David and his family. Saul was getting progressively antagonistic to David. He was jealous of David, of his popularity. He was jealous that David might actually become king rather than his own son, Jonathan. And so he had attempted to kill Jonathan or uh, kill David a few times already. But Jonathan, in this passage, makes this secret plan so David will know what to do in the future. Now, just a little bit of a spoiler alert in case you don't know the end of the story, that Jonathan actually does get killed and David becomes king David remembered that covenant that he had with Jonathan and he searched out Jonathan's only surviving son and brought him into the royal household and looked after him. They loved each other. They cared for each other and not just for each other but for their families. Just as an aside, David's future all depended on the placing of an arrow. Isn't life strange? So often things take a different direction, but they all depend on one little thing. He relied on a friend who could give him the advice, who could give him the right advice. Choose your friends carefully. Choose your friends so they give you the right advice. So, they cared for each other and they shared with each other. Jonathan and David had different backgrounds. One was a prince brought up in the royal household, heir to the throne. 
David was the youngest son looked down upon by everybody else, not necessarily respected by his brothers. He was the one who lived out in the fields as a shepherd. But they had a lot of things in common. They were both men of action. It tells us various stories about their exploits going off in battle together. But they were available for each other. They were there to support and to share their lives with each other. When David's life was in danger, who did he turn to? His best friend, Jonathan, who just happened to be his enemy's son. They were available for one another. Jonathan had already recognized that there was something special about David. In chapter 18, it said that Jonathan took off his robe that he was wearing and gave it to David. And the commentators think that this is possibly a sign of symbolically handing on to David. Jonathan knew that David was going to become king and not himself. He recognized this, and yet he handed David his robe. He accepted it and was able to think more of his friendship rather than himself. There was an absence of jealousy or wanting to be better than one another. In return, David, at the end of the passage we read today, David went down and he bowed down to Jonathan three times. He respected Jonathan. He respected who he was before David ended up going out into exile for years and years. They didn't see each other, but yet they loved each other. They cared for each other. They shared with each other. A lot has been written about David's life, but there was a, a, a quote that I read by F.B. Mayer, who was a pastor, a well-known pastor in the early 20th century. Jonathan is one of the noblest types of manhood presented in scripture biology. Whether in private or public life, he shone with peerless beauty as a star in a dark sky. At one point I was thinking, what, what, will, what will people say of me when I die? You know, will they, I have on my tombstone, if I have a tombstone, that um, I was a mother, I was a wife, I was a daughter, um, I could sort of bake some scones. Um, but... But isn't that wonderful what they say, what somebody could see in, in Jonathan? He shone with peerless beauty as a star in a dark sky. What a great friend. I would love it if people were able to say she was a good friend. Paul writes to the Philippians, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility... Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. 
friendships take time and effort to be able to share things together, to spend time and be available for one another. It's not what I can get out of the friendship, but what I am prepared to put into it. We all need some special friends. We maybe all have plenty of friends, but it's great to have some special friends. The best way to be a friend and to have a friend, to make a friend, is to be a friend. I was conscious that I could so easily tell stories about people here who I think who are special friends, but rather than embarrass them, I, I just chose somebody who are special friends to us. About 23 years ago, and in fact, it was the end of, end of August in 99, I arrived here in Portsmouth with three little children, without my husband, who was way off on the other side of the world somewhere, and I arrived here not knowing a soul. Came to the house, it was a merry quarter. It was bank holiday weekend, so the, the military put us up, very nicely put us up in the Queen's Hotel for a couple of nights. Until the Tuesday morning, uh, we were able to get the keys to get into the house. So we got into the house quickly, rushed around it, each child deciding which bedroom was going to be theirs or whatever and waiting for this big truck to arrive with all our belongings, all our furniture, everything that had been put into storage for two years whilst we'd been abroad. So I heard a knock at the door. I thought, okay, this, the truck must be here. Let's get ready. But it wasn't the truck. It was friends from Plymouth who had got into their car early that morning who had packed lilos, sleeping bags, food, etc., driven all the way up to Portsmouth so I wouldn't be on my own with three children to unpack the truck and to try and set up home. Special friends who made themselves available. Friends that are still special today. And of course, the the answer to all our things in church is who is our special friend? Jesus. Jesus says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. He's always there for that, for us. David recognized that with God in that well-known psalm that we're going to be with him forever through the joys, through the struggles of life. He is always available. He is always longing to be there and to encourage us as he loves us and cares for us. It can be difficult sometimes to make a friend, but it can sometimes be even more difficult to keep a friend as we struggle through lives Sometimes we let the easiest things upset us. David and Jonathan had more than themselves to keep, to keep them together in their love for one another. It was a, a vertical relationship with God. Their trust in God brought them closer 
as they could spiritually grow and look out for one another. David had fought the Israelites because Goliath was mocking the God of Israel, the true God. And throughout this chapter, in verse chapter 20 of 1 Samuel, it tells us that the Lord was with them, that um, Jonathan brings out again and again different verses, how much important, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. Verse 21, go and find the arrows. Come, um, because as surely as the Lord lives, you are safe. Verse 22, the Lord has sent you away. Verse 23, remember, the Lord is witness between you and me. And in verse, the, verse 42, the Lord, once again, is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. It's a deeper, truer relationship when God is included in any friendship. Walking with somebody who knows Jesus in the way that you know Jesus is so important. A special Christian you can really be yourself with because we all know that God forgives our sins. No one can, uh, we've all fallen and we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. But Christians, friends, that no one knows we're beyond the love of God. They can support us, encourage us. They can be with us to pray together. They can challenge us. They can hold us accountable in our attitudes, especially when we mess things up, which happens now and again. I heard uh, an item on the radio this week about James Webb Space Telescope. David, I'm looking at you, our resident scientist here. I was interested enough to Google a little bit about it. It was launched on Christmas Day 2021, and this is the last photograph that was taken of the James Webb Space Telescope before it went out into outer space. It just blows my mind when I was reading about it, about the, the light years and the exoplanets and all the data that this telescope has given astronomers and people like David information for years to keep them busy. Yet the God of all of this creation the one who formed the universe and keeps this small planet spinning is the same God who created and loves me and loves you. Jesus calls me his friend. In John 15, verse 13, it says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. My mum's favourite hymn, maybe some of you remember, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear, 
what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. So we want to follow Jesus' example. Jesus, who cares for us, who loves us, who shared his life with us and died for us, and who prays for us, still is interceding on our behalf in the heavenly realms. That we want to have a healthy relationship with our friends. Care. Share. Prayer. Easy to remember, isn't it? I thought I was quite clever. I'm sure God gave that to me. Care. Share. Prayer. No one is an island. We all need friends. But we need to remember to be a good friend to others as well. Timothy Keller says, the ultimate reality is a community of persons who know and love one another. That is what the universe, God, history, and life is all about. If you favor money, power, and accomplishment over human relationships, you will dash yourself on the rocks of reality. As we love and care for one another, we want to show Jesus' love, his love for others, and our love for those who don't know him. And so just before we end and, and sing our final song, I wonder if you have a special friend, somebody that you can really relate to and share things with and you can love and pray with. If you have a special friend, if you'd maybe stand up, you don't need to say their names, but just to stand up where you are and we're just going to say a prayer to bless that special friend, whoever it is. Has anybody got a special friend that we can pray thanks, say thanks for? Great. Lord, we just thank you for our special friends. We just thank you and ask your blessing on them. But help us to be a blessing to them, to be available to them, to love and care for them. Please bless them and their families. And if you just remain standing, I just want to ask, is there anybody who would love to have a special friend? Who just doesn't have somebody that they can really share things with? And if you would love to have a special friend, please stand. Friendship is a gift from God. And Lord, we just pray for those who would love to have a special friend, somebody to relate to, somebody to love, somebody to share the ups and downs of this life. We thank you that Jesus is always with us, but we pray for a blessing of having someone special in our lives.